In our study of the book of Revelation, we have seen already many things. Just passing through that first chapter, we've already seen many things. A couple of the things that stand out are first, the urgency of the day. The urgency of the day. Folks, be sure Christ is coming again very soon. In verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, For the time is near. Christ is coming again very soon. Time is short. Time is urgent, and we are living in the last days. Now, sadly, for most people, hearing that stirs very little in them. People, I believe, must be distracted. Maybe they are too busy. Uh, for sure, they are not listening. And sadly, many are not caring about that truth. Now, they soon will be because the days are urgent. Time is growing very short. The second thing that stands out is the importance of the church in these last days. Friends, we have a mission to carry out. We have a message to announce, and these are essential days. They are vital days, important days for the church of Jesus Christ. And also, sadly, for most people, hearing that stirs very little in them as well. They've got many commitments today. Maybe they've got other priorities today. And their stewardship in the church is faltering. Well, today we start a section here in the book of Revelation speaking to the church, calling out to the church, speaking to us today. Now, I can't impress it upon us enough. I've been saying this every week, but I can't impress it upon us enough. We had better be listening. In the days that we're living in, with the important task that we have as the church of Jesus Christ, friends, we had better be listening to the teaching of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, our message is entitled, The Starting Place. The Starting Place. Today, we're in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through seven, the starting place. <clears throat> to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot, cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come today, we are thankful for Jesus. We are thankful for the hope, for the peace, for the forgiveness of sin, 
for a future, for eternal life given to us in the finished work of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would come today and I pray that we would come with ears that can hear, with hearts that are open and receptive, with feet that would be faithful and obedient to walk it out. And I pray, Lord, that we are shaped in the hearing of your word today. I pray it's a supernatural event. I pray that we are built up, that we are prepared to stand in these days. And I pray, Lord, the fruit of that is that many would be saved, that the gospel would be held up, and that Jesus would be honored. Lord, we pray thanking you for the truth that we have, thanking you for the truth, Jesus. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning as we start, I'm gonna ask a question that I want us to think about, us to consider as we move through these next two chapters, the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation. As God speaks to us, about the church in the last days, I want us to be considering, be thinking about this question. Now, the question is this. If everyone in the church did as you do, what kind of church would we have? And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about it today as we move through this message as we move through the messages that we're about to go into. I, I want you to consider that. If everyone in the church did as you do, what kind of church would we have? If everybody attended as you attend, what kind of church would we have? If everyone gave as you give, what kind of church would we have? If everyone served, if everyone used their gift as you use yours, what kind of church would we have? If everyone witnessed to the loss as you witnessed to the loss, what kind of church would we have? Because the reality is, that is the church that we have because, listen to me, you are the church. I am the church. We are the church. Now, sometimes I think we hear sermons. I think sometimes we, we, we hear sermons. We sit in sermons. I think, and I think as we do that, we think, oh, I hope they're listening. You ever do that? Oh, what a great sermon. Oh, I hope these folks in the balcony are listening today. Everybody look up there at them. Sometimes we think it's got to be about somebody else. And somebody, we're so glad of the truth of God, and I hope it soaks into somebody else. Listen to me. The reality is we are the church. God has a mission for us, and how we are is how the church is. I want to say that again. How we are is how the church is. Church member Christian today, listen to me. God is speaking to you today. He's speaking to us in his word. All right, let's go to our verses. We move to the second chapter. We're starting in the first verse of the second chapter. I'm going to read the first verse. It says this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. All right, let's look at this first verse. It says this, to the angel of the church. Now, remember last week, uh, we looked at it, and I told you, I believe this is talking about the pastor 
of this local church. There are seven of these. There are seven churches being addressed. I believe it's talking to God's messenger, God's ambassador to the church. It's talking to, I believe, the local pastor. Well, the verse says, to the angel, to the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so see this, it is a specific church uh, here in the, the start of this chapter. It is a actual church. It is a historical church. Now it tells us it was located in Ephesus. Understand that was a great city. Uh, the estimate is about this time that there would have been about 250,000 people living in that city. That's a, a great population. It was a harbor city. There was trade that went on there. But most notably, it was a religious city. Uh, Ephesus, we know, was home of what's called the Diana cult. Uh, there was a magnificent temple built there, and the city was actually a hub of false worship. Uh, this worship of this false god uh, really stirred the economy of the area. It was a reason to travel to the area. It was a big deal for this city. The verse goes on. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the one, the one. Now, understand this is referring to none other than the Lord Jesus. We've seen in the first chapter as he stands in all of his glory. And so it's talking about Jesus. The one, Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. Now, remember from last week, the stars are the angels. And the angels, I believe, are the seven pastors of the seven local specific churches. It says Jesus holds them in his right hand. We talked about it last week. That is his ruling hand. Last week we saw that Jesus administrates his church through his chosen pastors. He is the shepherd, he is the head of the church, and he administrates his church through his under-shepherds, the pastor of the church. Then remember last week we saw the lampstands, the Bible tells us, are the churches. We saw that that is for a reason. Lampstands uphold the light, they display the light, they make the light more brightly shine. It says in verse chapter 1, verse 20, those lampstands are the churches. Well, it says Jesus walks in the midst of them. So he upholds the seven pastors, the seven angels in his hand, and he walks in the midst of the lampstands of the churches. Now I'd like to point out right here, it's worth seeing, the verb tense of hold of the verb hold and of walk, the verb walk, it is the continual tense. And so here in the first verse, it means he holds and he is holding. It means he walks and he is walking. And so he's holding the pastors in his hand and he's continually doing it. He walks in the midst of the churches and he is continually doing it. Now let me explain this this morning. Hear this. According to the word of Christ, our Lord Christ Jesus is active in leading the church. He is active 
as the head of the church. Now understand, he hasn't set the church in motion and he hasn't stepped back somewhere to see how it goes. He is active in heading the church. He is active in leading the church. And our Lord Christ Jesus is present in the ministry and the mission of his church. He's in the midst of it. He's continually in the midst of it. So the mission of the church, the ministry of the church, Jesus is in the center of it. There are some today who see the church as supplemental. Or maybe they see the church as optional. Well, to them I will say this. What we see here in the first verse of chapter 2 is this. If you want to walk with Jesus, friend, you better be walking with the church. And what we see here in this verse, if you want to be close to Jesus, you better be close to the church. And if you want to serve Jesus, you better be serving in the church. And if you want to express your fellowship and your love for Jesus, it will be expressed in a commitment to and a love for his church. Do you understand that? He's leading the church. He's moving in the church. He's working in the church. And if you want to be with Jesus, if you want to stand close to Jesus, friend, you better get close to the church. Now, I think this is going to be the key to the, to the sermon today. We're going to see it here again in a second in, a, in another verse. But be very sure today, the truth is this. The beacon of the truth is the church of Jesus Christ. The agent of the gospel is the church of Jesus Christ. The pillar and the protector of the good news of Jesus is the church of Jesus Christ. And if a lost world that's headed for hell and is suffering in darkness is ever going to hear the good news, listen, friend, we've got to be the church. Watch the news this week. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff, unimaginable stuff. And we sit around, and I don't know, sometimes it feels hopeless and helpless. What are we going to do about this avalanche? What are we going to do about the lostness, the, the, the growth of the, the wickedness and the vileness? I want to tell you, the friends, listen to me, the answer is Jesus. The answer is the gospel. And in these days, we've got to be the church. Jesus says, here's the message. He says this, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, our verses two and three together, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you have found them to be false, verse three, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. In these two verses, there is a description of an awesome church. And I'll just tell you, read that description, you think about that description, you evaluate it. This is an awesome church. Here in this city of false religion, here is this church, and they are the beacon of God's grace. When there's no truth, they're the beacon of the truth, and they are the beacon of God's grace. 
Now, I think it's pretty interesting. Paul had preached there. He had ministered there. He had taught there. Uh, We know that Timothy had served as a pastor there. We know that John also had served as the pastor there. Uh, I would say good job to the search committee in Ephesus. They have a deep history. They have an awesome history. Look at this description. First, Jesus says, I know. I know. Now, that's a big deal, I think. I think we might pass by that if we're not careful. Jesus says, I know. I want you to get this. Jesus knows what is going on in the local church. He sees what's going on in the local church. He knows it, and he knows the heart behind it. Listen to me, friends. Jesus knows this church. He knows what's happening here. He knows the hearts of the people here. Jesus knows the church. He says, I know your deeds. Now listen to all these definitions. Your deeds. It translates works. It translates things you have done. I know the things you have done. Now what that means is the church is to be active. I know the things you've done. The church is to be active. It goes on and it says, in your toil. Now, that sounds somewhat similar. Uh, It's actually a little bit different. In your toil, it translates, it means hard effort to the point of fatigue. He tells the church, I know your hard effort to the point of fatigue. Another another translation says, the trouble you have assumed, uh, it actually means toiled. Get this, listen to me, in the church today, we're not consumers, we are to be toiling for the cause of Jesus Christ. We are to strain and we are to strive and we are to work at the cause of Jesus Christ. You're not to say, well, they have this for me and they have this and I like that thing. Listen, in the local church, you are to serve the cause of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, to the point of exhaustion. Well, we just going to go to church all the time? Well, is this all we're going to think about? Well, don't we know we just do this and we've got to get back to the world, the other things the rest of the days of the week? Listen to me. We're to toil to the point of exhaustion for the cause of Jesus Christ through the local church. It says, and perseverance. It means, most literally, to stay under a load. We've talked about that several times. It means to remain under, to remain under the load, to bear up, under the load. It means, listen to me, in the power of Christ, we as the church stay. We as the church, we stand. And we as the church, we endure. We have to stand. We have to stay. We have to endure. Goes on. Commendation says this. And that you cannot tolerate evil men. Uh, It translates rotten, evil men, sin-doing men. Now, this church evidently didn't just reach out for the lost, but in doing so, it stood in holiness. Now, what that means is it didn't take on the things of the world. It didn't take on the activities of the world, but instead, it refrained from sin. It turned from sin, and it did not wink 
at sin. Hey, it exists in the culture. It exists in the world. It's trying to reach the world, but it doesn't laugh at sin. It doesn't participate in sin. It doesn't move and melt and compromise with the world of sin. I'd better say this. It's funny. As I write this, I think I have to say things that past preachers never had to say. Maybe they should have said them, but I'm going to have to say this. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Listen to me this morning. What God has called sin is a sin. Well, the times are changing. Well, things are different. The culture is different. Listen to me. What God has called a sin, and he's very clear, what God has called a sin is a sin. And the church cannot compromise for popularity. The church cannot compromise for attendance or acceptance. The church cannot compromise in order to avoid conflict. The Bible says in Christ, we were just talking about it, we are new creations. And part of that is our witness, our desire to not look like the world, to not live like the world while we're trying to minister to the lost world. They were doing well in it. Goes on and it says this. <clears throat> and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. In this day, I think it's very interesting. It's going to be telling for the rest of the history of the church. In this day, there were people that would see the position of the apostles, and they would see the authority of the apostles. Now, they would see John, they would see Paul and the other apostles, and they would, they would themselves then claim to be an apostle. And they would claim to be an apostle uh, to propel themselves, to prosper themselves. It was for their benefit. It was for the growth of their movement. And so they would come to a town, and they would take maybe a piece of the Scripture, maybe a part of the Scripture, and they would act like they knew something about the Scripture, and they would self-proclaim to be apostles. It was for their own benefit. Well, the church in Ephesus measured them and evaluated them according to the truth of God's Word, and when they were false, when they were found to be liars and frauds, they actually called them so. Listen, friends, we better get a hold of that. We better start to think about that. Today, they are everywhere. Today, they are everywhere. Some of them even have the audacity now to call themselves apostles. And they are in churches today, and they are in pulpits today, and they fill up convention centers today, and they're all over the internet today, they're on blogs today, and people today in the church say, well, that's okay, isn't it? Well, it sounds pretty close to the truth. Most of what they're saying, it's close enough, isn't it? Or they say, well, I like them. I've always liked them. My meemaw, she liked them too. And so that's okay if I listen to them. And people intermingle with them. And people intermingle with their false teaching. And they share pulpits with them. And they do most of it in the name of unity. And it is disastrous. Friend, I want you to hear the warning this morning. If there is anyone not preaching or teaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus 
based on the word, the testimony of Jesus, the Bible, the word of God, they will destroy your Christian walk. They will destroy your home. They will destroy your church. And it will end in disaster. Well, it's just a little bit. Well, I'm aware. I can, I can discern. Listen to me. It will end in disaster. We cannot stand for it. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you have found them to be false. All right, let's look at verse three. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. I want you to get this. Be sure of this. You're going to need to know it. Standing, standing against the culture, standing for the truth, standing in the church, standing for the church, standing when others sit, standing when others compromise, Standing wears you down. That's what it does. It wears you down. It's hard. It's, it's hard to endure. It wears you down. Here's what we find here. They were steadfast. Jesus says, you've stood. You've endured. All for my name's sake. They were steadfast. In these days, it's hard. Let me tell you something. It's going to get harder. And these days, it's discouraging to stand where we stand, to have the truth that we have. It is discouraging. It is lonely to profess the truth that we hold up as truth. And listen to me, friends. We are going to have to be steadfast. You're going to have to be resolved. I'm going to have to be resolved. We're going to have to stand. We're going to have to be steadfast. <clears throat> Years ago, it's funny how... <laughs> 15 years goes by pretty fast. Years ago, I worked in the oil field. Now, I didn't, I didn't know much about the oil field. I got a job there, worked in the oil field. I worked there for six years. On one of those years, we were, they were working over a well, and part of the process, they, they drill out a bridge plug. It's a plug in the, down in the bottom of the well somebody has set. And they drill out this bridge plug, and the well blew out. There's pressure underneath it. The well blew out. Uh, it was Friday morning about 10 o'clock when this happened. Uh, they, it was blown out about two times taller in the workover rig, and they got it turned and put into a pit. Uh, they're sucking it up out of the pit. I think it was actually your field. Uh, they're, they're sucking it up out of the pit, hauling it over to a set of tanks. And I remember, I'm just standing there, just this guy hired to be a laborer, and the, the rig owner got mad. And there was no BOP, a blowout, blowout protector, which would have stopped it. They didn't want to pay for it, so there's not one on the well. So he got mad, and he said, y'all call me when y'all get this shut down. He left. Uh, the consultant made $1,200 a day. He was there. I think he was embarrassed. He left. Uh, the company man, I think he was scared. He's probably about to lose his job. Um, he left. And you know who's there? Me. Me and some trucks that are sucking oil out of this pit. And this owner calls me up. He was from Midland. And he says, will you stay with that well until it stops? 
And I said, well, I, don't, I guess I will. And he said, I'll pay you $35 an hour. 250 a day, flat rate, and 35 an hour. I said, sure, I'll stay with this well till it stops. And so I stayed there. And I pulled my pickup up. And, and Carrie brought me out sandwiches a couple times, brought me out thermoses of coffee. And I stayed with this well. Monday morning at 10 o'clock, the company man, this guy from Midland, pulls up. And I had never left. I was wearing the same clothes. And he gets out of his pickup, and he looks over, and he says, you're still here? And I said, man, for 35 an hour, you can hit me with a stick, and I will still be here. <laughs> Friends, that's steadfast. Listen to me. We're going to have to be steadfast in the church today, opposed by the world, hated by the world. The church must not grow weary. The church must not move on. The church must not become distracted. The church of Jesus Christ must be steadfast. If we will not, no one will. Did you know that? If we go silent, there's no good news for anybody to hear. Do you know if we go silent, our neighborhood is void of a gospel witness? Do you know if we go silent, this area doesn't have a proclaimer of the truth of Jesus Christ? If we will not stand, nobody's going to stand. The church must be steadfast. It's not the end, however. Let's go to verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. But I have this against you that you've left your first love. But Jesus says, I have this against you. Let me tell you something. I don't want to ever hear that from Jesus. I have this against you. I don't want to hear those words from my Savior, but I have this against you. He says, you have left your first love. The word for left means abandoned. It's actually very descriptive. It, it means to send away your first love. Another definition is to go away from your first love. You've sent away your first love. You've moved away from your first love. Your first love, there is some debate as to what that means. And I think there's actually a whole lot of volumes written about what the first love is, and you can go look that up and see what folks are saying. Some say that it was a love for each other, and they would say the church had lost its love for, for each other, for brothers and sisters in Christ. There's others that say it was a love for the church. Uh, I read that some say it's a love for evangelism. Uh, there's others that say other things as well. Listen to me. I don't, I don't think it's that hard. I don't think it's that complicated. For believers, listen to me. Where do we start? Where do we start as believers? I'm going to tell you this. It's not with the fellowship of the church. It's not in work and things to do. Listen to me. For followers of Jesus Christ, we start with Jesus. That's where we start. We start with Jesus. And when we behold Jesus, when we behold the Savior of Calvary, when we behold the one who first loved us, when we behold Jesus, the one who carries our sin and he bears our shame, the one that gives us forgiveness. And when we see Jesus and his back is naked and his back has been beaten and it's bleeding across his back, and when we see that Jesus and he gives us his very own robe of righteousness, 
When that Jesus in our forgiveness calls us, friend, I want to tell you, friends, we love him and our hearts long for him. He died for me and he saved me and he loves me and he calls me friend. And we sing out, oh, how I love Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus is the first love. Jesus is the starting place. It all starts with Jesus. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. How sad. How sad for them. How sad for Jesus. Jesus says, tell them they've left me. Tell them they've, they've abandoned me. Tell them they've moved on. It's not the same. Our relationship's not the same. It wasn't him. You've left your first love. Verse 5. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds which you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now, there's a lot to see in verse 5. I want you to see this. There's, there's a lot there we could go on. I want you to see this in verse 5. Jesus says, the thing lost, love for him, outweighs all the things done. Do not miss that. Jesus says, the thing that was lost outweighs all the things that were done. All the right things, all the good things, all of the standing, all of the enduring, all of those things matter not. If you wane in your love for Jesus, it is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's the end of the story. It's that matter of fact. It is all about Jesus. And I want to tell you, friends, you can do all of the things or you can do none of the things. It's all the same if you do not love and if you're not growing in your love for Jesus. My job as the pastor here is not to call you to serve the Lord. It's not to have to remind you to come to church. It's not to have to push you and push you to tell folks about Jesus. It's not to beg you and to scold you to read your Bibles. My job is to push you and to encourage you and to teach you to see Jesus and to long for Jesus and to know Jesus and to love Jesus. And I want to tell you something, friends. When that's happening, the other things will take care of themselves. It all goes back to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you'll be a bold witness when your love for Jesus is boiling over. I want to tell you, they won't be able to keep you out of the fellowship of the church. Hey, they're going to tell me about Jesus. They won't keep you away when your love for Jesus is boiling over. The rest will take care of itself. Jesus says to repent. It means the word to turn. One translation to change your mind. Most literal to turn. It means to come back. He says, or he will remove your lampstand out of your place. Now understand, it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about the church. The church who doesn't love Jesus, wildly, radically love Jesus, Jesus says, he will remove 
the influence of that church. He'll remove that church. I want to show you this. One of my favorite things about Jesus is the grace of repentance. I don't, I don't know. I, I've never heard it said like that. But I want to tell you, one of my favorite things about Jesus is the grace of repentance. Now, let me explain this to you. With Jesus, listen to me, the answer is always repent. With Jesus, he doesn't have two answers. He doesn't have two ways. He has one answer. With Jesus, the answer is always repent. Turn from your sin, turn and come to him. Work off your debt? No, come to Jesus. Try to strive and, and, and make yourself look redeemable? No, come to Jesus. Beat yourself up? No. Turn, come home to Jesus. Listen to me, that's the grace of repentance. It doesn't matter what we've done. All he calls us to do is to come home. He doesn't say, hey, you got to beat yourself up. Hey, you got to stew in all that filth. He says, come home. And you say, oh, the depth of my sin. He says, come home. Oh, the, the greatness of my rebellion. He says, come home. He, you say, oh, the distance that I've fallen. Oh, Lord Jesus. And he says, listen, come home. Some of us here today, might be saying, you know what, I'm not where I once was. I hate it. I know it. I regret it. I feel it. Listen to me. Jesus says to you, come home. Come home. Just turn and come home. But don't I have to do a bunch of things? No. The grace of God is this in Jesus. It's finished. Just turn and come home. Come home. Verse 6. Yet yeah, this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, I want to read that very carefully. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans held two false teachings. Some say they were Gnostics. Now, that is probable. Some say they had taken on that false idea. Uh, but the truth is this. They held to an idea of truth, that was not God's word. It did not match with God's word. And so he says, good job to y'all. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And he actually says this, and so do I. Now I want you to notice something here. He doesn't say he hates the Nicolaitans. I want you to notice in that verse, he says he hates their deeds. You hate their deeds, and he says he hates their deeds as well. Let me tell you something. The good news for the Ephesian church is the same good news for the Nicolaitan cult, and that is come home and come to Jesus. And I, I, I'll just tell you this, today it is hard not to hate groups. And I'll just tell you, they're loud today, and they got control of the media today, and they got evidently control of all the advertisers and, and most of the companies today, and they are loud, and it is evil, and it is vile, and it is hard not to start hating groups. But I want to tell you this, Jesus loves them. And his message to them is the same as it was for me and the same as it was for you. Come home. Come home. Hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Doesn't hate the Nicolaitans. All right, verse 7. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
to him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Verse 7 comes in two parts. I want you to see and understand this. comes in two parts. There is a call in verse 7, and there is a promise in verse 7. Concluding this letter, he's addressed the church in Ephesus. Jesus says this, listen, hear. If you have ears, listen. Listen to what the Spirit of God says to the churches. That's the same for us today. That is our call. If you have ears, if your heart is beating, listen. Abide in Christ. Walk with Christ. Serve his church. Stand. Be prepared. Hear. Listen. This is the message of God. Hear what he says. Heed what he says. That's the call. Now here's the promise. The promise is, the, is made to him who overcomes. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. There's, there's a couple different words here. This is not a call to overcome. Listen to me. The first part of the call is to heed, to listen. This is not a call to overcome. It's not an encouragement to overcome. It is a promise to those who overcome, to those who are overcoming. You see, in Christ, if we have trusted Christ, we are overcomers. Do you understand that? If you've trusted Jesus Christ, we are and we will overcome. That is held in the grace and the power of God. If you've trusted Christ, our promise is we are and we will overcome. Our promise is eternal life in the paradise of God. And that's what Jesus reminds them right here. Sometimes we ought to be reminded Yes, the task is hard. Yes, the opposition is tough. Yes, it's hard to bear up under such considerable weight. But I want to tell you, the end is eternal life. The end is the day when there's no sin and there's no stain of sin and there's no sickness and there's no death and the labor, the toil forever will have been ended and we will be in paradise. And listen, friend, we will be with Jesus. And so, yes, in this day we push on. Yes, we stand against the evil world. But I want to tell you, the end is in the glory eternal life in paradise with Jesus. It is worth it. Let me tell you this. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Stand against the culture. Yes, Jesus is worth it. Endures the church. Yes, Jesus is worth it. Last question. We're about done. Here it is. So today... How is your heart toward Jesus? You can fake it if you want. You can put on a show if you want. Here's the question. How's your heart toward Jesus? Do you know him? Maybe there's some of you here that don't even know him. I want to tell you, the, the grace of God is this. He loves you and he knows you and he sees you. He offers you the forgiveness of your sin. He offers you a relationship with, with our holy God through faith in Jesus. Do you know him? Listen, he's knowable. He wants you to know him. He's patient, desiring that none should perish. Do you know Jesus today? Do you love Jesus today? 
Does your heart yearn to please him, to walk with him, to know him more? Is your love for Jesus growing? You say, well, I got that checked off. I'm going to heaven. I got to get back to other stuff. Is your love for Jesus growing? Do you wake up and say, oh, what a savior I have. Oh, the forgiveness I have. Oh, the, the kind, gracious shepherd we have. Is your love for Jesus growing? I want to tell you in all those instances, wherever you find yourself, here's the grace of repentance. Here's what the answer is. Come home. You want to know him more deeply? Go home. You want to walk closer to him? Go home. You want to meet him for the first time? Go home. Trust Jesus. Turn to Jesus. The grace of repentance. That's the starting place. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and I marvel to my Savior. Jesus, Lord, what a king. What a Savior. What a lamb. What a friend. Lord, we worship you. We, we praise you today. I, I, I pray that our hearts are welling up even now that we love you, Lord. And we want to love you more deeply. We want to walk more closely with you. We want to serve committed to your body, the church. We want to be useful to your cause. We want to bear up under the weight and we want to be standing when you come again or you call us home. Lord Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Oh, how we love you. Lord, I pray for somebody who doesn't know you. I pray in the hearing of the gospel of a risen Savior. I pray that today they would turn to you and receive you in faith. Not of any work that they would ever do, but in faith of your finished work, that they would be saved today. Lord, I pray for us as the church that we would burn in our hearts to repent, to walk away from this messed up, sorry world to walk ever closer to you, with you. Lord, I pray that this sermon is born impact, and I pray that it continue to speak. I pray that it truly is your word. And I pray the fruit of that will bring much glory to your name. We tell you, Lord, we love you. We praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of invitation, a time of response. And I want to tell you that the good news of the word of God is this. There, there's a call to respond. The grace of God is offered to you, to us today. If you're here and you've never trusted in Christ, listen, he'll save you today. Not in church membership, not in a list of things to check off or accomplish, but in the turning from sin and the turning to Christ, by faith, he'll save you today. If you've never done that, do that today. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle that today. If you want to talk it through, let me show you what the scripture says. Let's settle that today. He'll save you today. Turn to Christ today. If you're here today, You've looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come as well. Together we'll serve his kingdom, his, his glory until he comes again. Maybe you need to follow in believers' baptism by immersion after the point that you're saved, not as part of it. And so maybe you need to come and say, you know what, I want to be baptized as a testimony of what we believe of Christ and what's happened to me in the power of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you'd say this, and I'm right there with you. Christ, I love you, but I want to love you more. And I want to grow in that love. And I want, it to, I want it to overrun every priority of my life. I want it to run over thought of my brain. I want it to dictate the movement of my heart. Lord, I want to love you more. Maybe your response say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I want to love you more. Help me grow in your word and your truth and in your love. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. Listen, don't head for an exit. Don't move about. We'll be done in just a second. Pray for those who are making decisions. If God is speaking to you, if he's spoken to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. You come on.